Okay, so we're here to talk about what biohacking is and then also what are the three ways we can boost our energy? Because I mean, I know I'm no different than anybody else, but my energy levels are chaotic. And I don't know about you, but like around 3 p.m., they start to plummet. And then it's like, okay, I need a coffee. I need something. I need whatever to get me through the rest of the day, even if I get like seven to eight hours of sleep. So first off, let's talk about biohacking because I have no idea what the heck that is. And I know science plays a whole big thing in this, in this entire process. So go ahead and tell me about it. Yeah. Isn't biohacking an interesting word? I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, that sounds a little like, is that illegal? Like what, what is going on here with this <laughs> hacking? Or what are we hacking? Are we cloning? <laughs> <laughs> so basically think of it this way. Biohacking is very similar to health optimization. So the way I like to think of it is I'm doing things to alter not only kind of the inside of my body, but what surrounds me. And the whole purpose of doing that is to have more longevity, more long wellness, more uh, vitality, feeling better in our bodies. So what makes biohacking different than just like doing regular health habits is specifically that we're always measuring the outcome. Because I know for me, like I'm a busy entrepreneur. I don't have a ton of hours in the day. So I can't just be doing every health habit that, you know, scrolls across my Instagram feed. So what's really important for me. So many too. Oh my gosh. So with biohacking specifically, I am always looking at, am I getting more energy out of something than I put into something? So how I like to do that specifically with my clients is I often have them wear like fun little trackers. So whether it's a Fitbit or some people do Apple watch, I love my aura ring, like they're all good, but looking at that data and specifically seeing like, oh my gosh, am I noticing a difference from this? Or is this just something I think I should be doing because somebody on the internet said. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty clear definition of some biohacking. Um, what, I guess, what are the questions and things that we should be looking at if we're trying to determine if biohacking is even working for us or how do we even start that? Yeah. Well, it depends what you're biohacking. That's the fun thing. So let's take sleep, for example, because we all know that sleep is so important to how our brain functions and how clear and how sharp and how energized we feel. But you know how you said at the beginning, my energy levels are all over the place, even though sometimes I get seven to eight hours of sleep. So what I would be looking at is, okay, what are the things that go into maybe enhancing the quality of my sleep? Because there's a difference between how much time you spend asleep and what your brain does while you sleep. So it actually goes through some, yeah, it goes through some pretty cool things. Like there's different phases. Um, Some of them go and promote like memory and uh, like recovering from your workouts, other things, other phases you go through, they promote creativity and problem solving and emotional management. So if we're not getting that full spectrum of quality sleep, we're going to wake up feeling like we have jet lag, even if we had seven to eight hours. So something that I like to do, for example, is I will look. So some of these devices, they'll spit out like data in the morning that says, Hey, this is how much deep sleep you had during the night. Now science shows 15 to 20% of our night should be spent in dreams or in deep sleep. So then I'm looking at, okay, now what can I do specifically to bump deep sleep? And the great thing about science is there's so many things that show if you want to improve the quality of your sleep, try this, try this, try this. And I'm always watching my data to see, did that make a difference or not? And I'm not sticking with the things that aren't making the difference for me because I just don't have time to do every single health habit. Yeah. I mean, okay. So obviously like a health tracker would probably be the best way to start biohacking yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, 
which honestly makes sense. Uh, I'm probably really horrible at trying to track that kind of stuff. I'm like, I, I think I do it out of not wanting to know for fear of the fact that I definitely don't do it right. <laughs> so that could definitely be a step in the right direction of just purchasing or wearing, you know, one of those things that can tell me what the heck is going on inside. Um, so biohacking and getting energy, I'm sure they correlate, right? Mm-hmm. So what are these tips that, um, we should start considering? Yeah. So let's jump into the first one. Cause we talked about there being three big things that I always yeah. like to cover number one, and it is at the foundation of everything that we kind of touched on it is sleep. Yeah. So one of the easiest tips I can give, and one of the ones we don't know is, is doing what I call a circadian rhythm reset. So your circadian rhythm is basically a fancy word for my body follows a 24 hour clock. It's really neat. Like we have hormones that go up and down at certain times, body temperature goes up and down at certain times. Our bodies follow clocks. Like that's why we get tired at night and we wake up in the morning. Right? So naturally we are, if we want to optimize the way these hormones are working, we want to be having a consistent as possible schedule. So If you find that you're always having that crash around two or 3 PM, it's likely because your rhythm is out of balance. Now, the easiest way to fix that is to keep a one hour bedtime window and a one hour wake up window. And as often as possible. Now, I know what do you, what do you mean by like wake up window and bedtime window? Yeah. So for example, my bedtime window is anywhere and it's early. This is not saying mine is right. This is what works for me. I also have an 18 month old right now, (laughs) but I can only imagine. Yeah. Well, I go to bed anywhere between eight and 9 PM at night, meaning that's the window I go to sleep in on a very consistent basis. I also then wake up between 5 AM and 6 AM on a very consistent basis. Now, because of that, the hormones that help me fall asleep are at peak levels right when I go to sleep. And the hormones that help me wake up and feel alert are at peak levels when I wake up. Now, if I were to sleep until 8 a.m. one day, I actually miss that whole rise of energy that naturally happens with that morning pickup because I slept through it. And then we end up relying on coffee to feel better. Yeah. So is that also why sometimes, like, even if say I go to bed at, you know, my, I would say my window channels somewhere between 11 and 12. And I normally get up somewhere between seven and eight. Right. Um, does that mean though, like if sometimes I say I'm stuck at work or I'm on set or something like that, and I don't get to bed until like one, but I'm still up like at seven 30, does that, is that the whole, like your body just, it's your body clock waking up. Like it doesn't know the difference. It's like, yeah, you're tired, but hello at seven 30, it's between your, your window. So wake up like, <laughs> yeah, that's totally your body saying cortisol's going up right now. This is when we wake up, let's go. And the funny thing is we often get tempted to sleep in on the days we stay up late, like you said. And I mean, it makes sense that we're catching up on that sleep, but the fascinating thing is it actually creates something called sleep debt. Because here's something so cool. So you get most of this type of sleep called deep sleep, which is great for, you know, restoring from our workouts, refreshing our memories, cleaning up our brain from the whole day. That happens when we start going to sleep for like the first three to four hours. But we do most of our dreaming in the early morning hours. So when we actually stay up a couple hours late, you might only be missing an hour or two of sleep. But because all of that deep restorative sleep happens early in the night, we might be missing 50 to 60% 
Now by what? sleeping, yeah, and by Just sleeping by in missing, like two yeah. hours or one hour. Yeah. And the crazy thing is by sleeping in, it doesn't make up the sleep we missed in the earlier night because they're different types of sleep. So we just end up getting more dream sleep, which is not a bad thing, but it doesn't actually make it up. And because we slept in later, it shifts our whole body clock for the next day. So we don't feel as tired going to sleep. And it kind of creates that, you know, when you stay up, you sleep in on the weekends and then you drag Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you finally get your groove. And all of a sudden it's the weekend again. Yeah. That is why that happens. It is because of the sleep in throwing off our just natural circadian rhythm. So what do you recommend then for like, if somebody does, you know, if they are working like myself, if I'm on set and I, you know, my hours get a little funky, you know, sometimes how do I reset then? Best thing is like you said, you wake up at that consistent time. Yes. You'll have a little bit less sleep for that one night, but then you get right back on track the next day and you don't have a three to four day sleep hangover. So that's how you keep it as like, yeah, I lost two hours. I'll find maybe it's an extra cup of coffee, but instead that's preventing it from turning into that three or four day where you're kind of catching up because you slept in and then stayed up late a bit later. And then that cycle that just happens. Wow. So your body really is just like that sensitive. It needs that type of sleep consistency in order to fully operate. Yeah. I'm going to start doing that. (laughs) Yeah. It makes, it's the one change that I recommend that seems so basic, but it makes the biggest difference. And hands down, I mean, I analyze a lot of spreadsheets with a lot of numbers from a lot of trackers. It takes about three weeks of being relatively consistent, not perfection, relatively consistent till you're like, yeah, I don't even need alarm clock to wake up anymore. It's the same time. And here's the best part about not waking up with an alarm clock. When you set the alarm clock to wake up in the morning, that alarm clock wakes you up when you set it. Doesn't matter what's going on in your brain at the time. Here's the problem. If your brain gets jarred awake while you're in dream sleep or deep sleep, you literally will wake up feeling like you got hit by a truck because your brain can't oh my pull out of it. Gosh, no. Yes. hundred percent. I hate alarm clocks for that reason. They scare yeah. the bejesus out of me. Yeah. So one of the best things about having a really optimized rhythm is I have not set an alarm clock. I would say in two years, and I'm always up between five and six. Sometimes it's earlier and later, but your body is never going to be like, she's dreaming right now. Let's startle her awake and have her feel completely like brain fog for hours after she wakes. It's not going to do that. So we naturally wake up when we're in a light sleep cycle, when it is going to be less likely to affect our morning. So the better we can be at optimizing the schedule, the better we're going to feel during the later part of the day and the more energy we're going to have in the morning. I love that. Yeah, no, me too. I'm definitely going to try this. Um, So what is, what is number two of the big tips? Yeah. Number two has to do with your food. Now we all know the kind of idea of eating healthy and I want to get it a little more specific than that. So I want you to think about this. When we eat a meal that is very dense, carbohydrate dense, and I want to just preface this by saying, I don't have a problem with carbohydrates. I eat a lot of them. (laughs) I eat a lot of the good type of carbohydrates. I love them. However, when we eat either a lot of carbohydrates or specifically the type that spike our blood sugar the most. So think things like sugar, think things like flour, think things like processed food. What happens is we get a really quick rise in blood sugar and we got a hormone called insulin that Mm -hmm. follows it to help get the sugar out of the blood. What goes up must come down. When you get an energy rise, 
you get a fall. Now think about this. The last time you had a big pasta dinner, how did you feel after? Did your brain feel like it was working very well? Like, it's like when you have Thanksgiving and you eat all the yummy stuff you don't normally eat. And you're just like, what am I doing with my life? I'm just going to melt into this couch. (laughs) Exactly. And that's the way I like to think. And, and the approach I like to take when I am working during the day, because I need my brain to be at its sharpest and I want to have that energy. So I'm very conscious of what I choose to eat for lunch, because we all know that it's that two to 3 PM slump. We all feel it. I hear that over and over again, but if we start looking at what we're eating for lunch, it starts making a bit more sense. So what I always like to think, I like my lunches to be super light. I like to think, ton of vegetables, lots of fiber, healthy fats, so some avocado in there, maybe some salmon, stuff like that, and keep it very light and clean so that I have consistent energy. So I don't get that big blood sugar spike and the drop that makes me want to quit at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. So I'm very, very strategic with what I eat for lunch specifically. And all the other meals matter, but if we're talking about that 2 to 3 p.m. energy bump, this is where I look. Lunch, huh? Okay. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I'm going to be the first off to say that like, sometimes I like out of curiosity, I did, um, this food tracker. I know I'm not really good at like tracking everything else, but the food tracker just out of curiosity, because, um, I had a feeling I wasn't eating enough. I'm someone who gets so busy that I straight up forget to eat sometimes. And then it's like, I made it through three quarters of the day and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't even eaten anything. Like all I've had was like water and coffee today. That's not good. Um, so I definitely am a big advocate for eating right and eating the foods that are going to feed your brain because I felt a difference now that I've been keeping track of it. And, but here's the one thing too, is like, I also am not a big breakfast person. Mm -hmm. Um, I will have like my coffee with my, um, collagen protein powder that goes into it with some peptides and stuff. And that normally holds me over, you know, say I wake up at seven 30 or eight, I'm not really hungry till like 10 30, maybe, maybe 11. And I don't like to eat until I'm hungry. Um, so does that do anything, anything to like throw things off? Yeah. So this is, this is a whole nother area of biohacking we can get into. So the way our hormone cycles work, that kind of style of eating, which I think most people know as intermittent fasting, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, it's a more uh, condensed window to consume your calories in works very well during actually a certain part of our menstrual cycles and not so well during the other, because if you think about it, like work days, um, diets, exercise programs are all developed around the male hormone biology. They get a testosterone bump in the morning and then it cycles through the day and everything repeats every 24 hours. Ours doesn't. It's 28 to 32 days. We have different hormones that are higher at different points in the month. So from the first day of your period all the way up until ovulation, your body naturally burns less calories and your blood sugar is super stable. This is a great time to experiment with slightly reduced calories or intermittent fasting or really intense carbohydrate. Our body is just usually going to be a fat burning machine right now. But here's what happens after ovulation day. Our hormones start to drop, which means our energy starts to drop. We naturally start to crave carbohydrates because our blood sugar is much more unstable. 
On top of that, our body starts releasing more of the stress hormone cortisol. Have you heard of cortisol? Mm-hmm. One that all, we out? are familiar. Okay. Yes. We are on a yes. first name basis. <laughs> <laughs> so that's boosted up, especially towards the last week of your cycle. Now, here's one of the things when you look at intermittent fasting specifically, one of the contraindications, meaning like if you present with this type of uh, scenario, we recommend not doing that. And that is high cortisol levels because it can act as a stressor on the body. When you stress out a stressed out body, it stores fat. So yeah. And on top of that, we want to make sure we're getting enough high fiber carbohydrates to keep our blood sugar stable. So what I always recommend is, well, if we're going to do that, I love that as a strategy. And if that fits our lifestyle, let's do that at the beginning of our cycle. And then let's support our hormone cycle. Cause the last thing we want to do is feel mentally stressed out. Our bodies are stressed out. We stress it out with too much exercise. We stretch it out with not eating. And then we always find to have that week before our period where we're just like, ah, and our emotions. Oh my go. God. And right here. I mean, yeah. hand to Bible. I mean, yeah. um, what was it? I was just talking with somebody and I, you know, was just coming, I was like about to either start or on my period or whatever. And I was like, I am not hungry. Okay. Food does not sound appetizing to me at all. Um, I'm like, I, obviously I have to eat, but nothing sounds good and I'm not really hungry. And then now, you know, we're past ovulation and I'm just like, holy crap, I'm hungry all the time. What just happened? That's actually just your hormones at play. And when we talk about biohacking, it doesn't just have to be health habits. It's also working in sync with what's actually happening inside your biology. So another good example is, you know, when you go to do a workout and you're like, holy, that was so much harder than last week. What the heck's going on? And you're like, what is wrong with me? Yes. Think about this. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's not you. What happens after ovulation and it intensifies towards the beginning of your period, your body temperature goes up. So you naturally feel warmer. I don't know about you, but I don't really like getting super overheated during exercise. So that'll affect it. Number two, your cortisol is higher, which is actually perceived. Your body perceives it as more of a stress. Your energy is dropping because your hormones have dropped off. So you're going to pile on your body's already hot. Your body's already stressed out on top of the fact that your energy is dropping. This is totally normal. So instead of trying to power through our same workouts all the way through our cycle, that's more designed towards like the male biology. Instead, what I like to do is I'm like, okay, I I see you hormones. So today we're going to do just, we're going to do just some strength training and we're going to just going to cut the burpees right now. And my workout is going to be just as good, except now I have that bit of compassion with myself where I'm not like, what's going wrong? I did so good last week. What's that? Maybe, I don't know what I did wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. It's your hormones. We just have to play with it instead of fighting it. Oh my gosh. That is, that is like an epiphany because I have always wondered, you know, during my, my period where I'm just like, I'm tired. I don't have the energy for this right now. I'm like, why am I so tired all the time? Like, um, and then I'll have like three weeks where I'm just like, yes, get it. And then, you know, that one week hits off and you're just like, what did I do? (laughs) Yeah, it's totally normal. And then I find once you can stop the pressure on yourself, when you realize like, oh, this is just my body. It's fine. Nothing has gone wrong. We can start adjusting. I mean, that's a great week to do things like, you know, yoga, go for a walk, do some Pilates, 
do a bar ah. cross, something fun like that. And I kind of think of it more as just like, my body's stressed out right now. My hormones are super low. My energy is low. What's going to feel good. Not yeah. what did I schedule at the beginning of the month based on some six week program where the workouts are the same intensity every week. It's just not realistic when we look at how our bodies work. Oh my gosh. And you should always, I feel like you should always try and cooperate with your body. I mean, teamwork yes. makes the dream work, man. <laughs> So true. So true. Um, okay. So what's this third one? Yeah. So as women that have, we have brains that literally do not turn off, we need to learn how to turn off our brain and not the, oh yeah, I'm turning my brain off, but I'm actually sitting here watching Netflix and scrolling Instagram while popping into my Gmail. Oh, why do you know me so well? Why do you know me so well? This This is all of us. This is all of us. That's actually why. So we like to think that we're taking some me time and I'm using air quotes around that because my clients say like, I have such a busy day. I I saw this many clients and I had to do this and I had to send these emails and do, 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 do. And we're going all day and I just need some me time. And so they collapse onto the couch, which is fine. I'm all for Netflix if it's intentional, but they sit there and you, like I said, they're on their phone the whole time. So instead of actually getting the purpose of their me time, which if I talk to people, I'm like, what do you want out of your me time? They're like, well, I want to recharge. I want to feel calm. I want to feel refreshed. And I want to feel at peace. I don't know the last time I've sat on my phone while watching TV that's done that for me. It really just kind of keeps that heightened sense of like, do, 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 busy, 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 busy. And then I go to constant stimulation. Yes. So what I like to think of is it's, it's not about the activity that's going to create that resting me time. It's about what your brain waves are doing. So we often think like, we're told like, oh, have a bubble bath, go for a walk. I know, I know some of my clients sit in the bubble bath and all they do is think about what did I get done today? What didn't I get done today? What am I going to do tomorrow? That's not relaxing. It's not about the activity. It's about what's happening in your brain. So right now, while, you know, audiences listen to this, me and you were having this conversation, our brainwave is at a certain speed called beta. We are thinking, we're focusing, we're having, you know, you're concentrating. You might be thinking of the question you're going to ask next. This is called beta. This is excellent for focus and attention and alertness. And we really want this right now. However, in order to have recharge time, we need to be able to shift our brainwaves into the next state down called alpha. It is a slower type of brainwave. It is that feeling that you get when you're just, it's kind of like that exhale, let go end of a yoga class vibe, just kind of just like, yes, I'm here. I am present. I'm I am merely existing. I'm being, I'm not doing. Mm. And we have a hard time doing that. And we like to think that there's certain activities that do it. Like I was saying, and I have some clients that are like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to have alpha brainwave time. I'm going to read a business book. And I'm like, yeah, but you probably sat there with your highlighter and your sticky notes thinking about content you're going to make from that, right? That's beta. Reading is not always relaxing. I said, you want to go pick up something fluffy off the romance aisle, something, oh, a gardening book. I don't know. That is what creates that relaxed brainwave state. So I think we really have to understand the difference between the doing and the being mm. and that they actually have different brainwaves. And it's not about what you're doing. It's about where you get your brainwaves to. So one of the problems my clients often have is they're like, Tessa, I get it. How, how do I do that? So I was reading a a book and I discovered this app that's in this book and it is 
amazing. This app is called Brain FM and I shout them from the rooftops because they are great. So they actually have this like patented technology in their music. And think of it like this. The app is essentially like a remote control for your brain, meaning, oh, I'm going to hit the relax track and you put the music on and there's there's notes embedded in the background of it, which kind of um, simulate that slow wave alpha activity. And our brains, they like to sync with things. So your brain's like, I, I, I can get on board with that. And they sync with that. So if you're like, I don't know how to calm my brain down, this music will artificially sync your brain waves to it and slow you down. And I use this with my clients to be like, this is the feeling you're trying to achieve. Feel that? Okay, now let's practice doing that on your own. And it's fascinating. I mean, they have ones for focus. They have ones for meditation. They have ones for sleep. But the relaxed one is something we so seldom really, really settle into. And we need that, that, um, that difference in order to really feel energized. So our brain can refresh and get back online the next day. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to definitely look into that. Mm-hmm. I think relaxing is so hard for us to do in general. Um, yeah. I think our version of relaxing is definitely not relaxing. Um, and I am guilty. And if you are an entrepreneur, an ambitious person, uh, you are constantly thinking and you have Mm -hmm. like 5 million things going on. I had one person tell me that a female's brain is kind of like a browser window with like 5 million tabs open. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. (laughs) That's amazing. One of my follow-up sequence, I literally have an email of a screenshot of the 12 tabs I had open at that moment. I was like, this is a a PSA, shut down your tabs in your brain and on your browser right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, don't do this to yourself, please. Uh, No, it's the truth though. And I think um, at least for me and myself, the constant stimulation and that kind of stuff. I always say that like, for me, I don't necessarily need like three, four days of just not doing anything. I I mean, sometimes I just need a day. If it's been really, really stressful, I need a day. If it's been, you know, a week or whatnot, I'm like, all right, give me half a day. I'm going to work in the morning and then I'm going to stop and I'm just going to either do nothing. I always say I like to disappear and I don't answer my phone and I don't check my computer. I will, I will just sit in my pajamas and, you know, eat some ice cream and, you know, watch a movie or something so that I don't have to think because mm-hmm. I don't know about you though. Like sometimes my brain literally hurts. Oh, it it, it's called brain fog. It's brain fog. It aches. And I'm like, oh my God, my brain hurts. I need to not do any of this anymore. I'm done. I like, I've reached my limit. Yeah. You know what's really handy with that? Um, And going back to talking about our cycles, I schedule a whole afternoon to do exactly that. Lay on the couch and honestly binge watch whichever housewives I'm behind on at the time. Um, And I just go to town and it's always a Thursday and it's always the week before my period and the week of, because if you notice when that, those days happen, it's that it's the hormone thing. So I always, am like, all right, I need some childcare. There is a Thursday afternoon where I am going to, to sit down. I'm going to eat food. I'm going to catch up on some very trashy TV right now. And I'm not answering any messages. I am offline. And I actually plan those in advance as more of like a preventative self-care. You know, thing. That is so smart. And now that I realize, I mean, I feel like we all kind of knew 
that our hormones play a certain level, you know, in our productivity, our energies, our stress and all of that kind of stuff. But I didn't think, I mean, at least I didn't know just how much the cycle actually plays a huge role. So now after having this conversation, I'm like referring back to my last cycle. And I was like, gosh, that makes so much sense. Like I'm sitting here clueless and I'm like, why am I so tired? Oh, I can't focus. Oh my gosh. What is going on right now? I have no energy to go work out. All I want to do is just lay here. Like what's happening? Yeah. And it's so fascinating. You'll find that like ovulation day and about the four to five days on each side, you're going to find that you are like at peak I like to call it the with itness. Like you're, you're fast. You respond to things really easy. So I love when possible, like if I'm doing workshops, if I'm doing live trainings, if I'm doing interviews, I was like, slap me in here. <laughs> like this is like, I got, get. I got these days. Let's figure out what's happening during these days. That yeah. is so strategic. I mean, and way to optimize your level of productiveness and with itness, you know, yeah. to kind of like schedule it between all of this stuff. It's like, why? Why fight your body? Why fight? Oh, it? I, I won the last time I scheduled a launch during the luteal phase, which is the week right before your period. I was like, I'm never doing that again. I just wanted to sleep the whole time. Like this is not an effective use of my time. So, I mean, I did my best to kind of like, you know, you got your app and you're like counting out. So, I mean, it's not going to be perfect every time. You're not going to be able to schedule certain meetings at work and stuff like that all the time. But if I have the choice over what's happening, you bet I'm checking my calendar and been like, <laughs> I'm going to feel like a rock star that week. Let's go. <laughs> As you should though. I mean, why not? That's, that's my thing. I'm like, if you can control it, if you can help it, why not do it at your most peak time? Why not? I know. Okay. okay. So to kind of wrap this up a little bit, a few things, where can people get a hold of you and where can people learn more about this stuff? Because let me tell you, I feel like we just, we just like scrape the surface. Oh, absolutely. It is such a deep field and there are so many things to learn. And even I feel like I'm constantly like, there's more, which is so much fun because it keeps me feeling like I'm in that learning energy too. Right. Um, but essentially if you want to connect and just like, you know, ask some questions, Instagram at Tanessa Shears is the best place to go. Cause I'm posting regularly. And on there, you'll see that I have a podcast called becoming limitless. This podcast is exact. It's biohacking and brain optimization for entrepreneurs. So that's literally, well, you just gained yourself a follower. Cause I'm like, this is interesting as hell. Yeah. And every episode I go into something super cool, like that brain FM app. I'm like, here, let me show you all the science behind it and why it's so cool. I'm like, I love it. It's like a nerd out every single week on things that really make us feel our best. Right. Um, yeah. but beyond that, um, if you're just like, okay, I like the biohack thing. Don't have time to listen to podcasts right now. I have a PDF download. It's called 12 ways to biohack your energy. It's literally the 12 hacks that I'm like, these made the biggest difference for my clients. So if you get that, you pick two or three off of there. brain FM is on there. Your circadian rhythm is on there. These are like my go-to 12, where if you apply any of these and start being consistent, you'll notice a difference. And that's at tanessashears.com slash energy. And that's just free. Yeah. And Tanessa, honestly, like the three that you shared with me are definitely going to be something that I'm going to take into effect. I feel like they're very minor things. Um, I think the biggest aha moment for me is just realizing how much, you know, my hormones play a huge role in everything um, and to learn to work with them rather than against them. 
uh, because I'm stubborn and my brain is just like, no, you're going to do it now. <laughs> Don't do that. That's so much, so much stress. <laughs> oh, totally. And it never feels good anyways. And then we just get into that whole beat up shame spiral. It just never feels no, good. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. Well, Thank you so much for joining us. That was awesome. And I cannot wait to have you back on and learn more about all this stuff. I think it's amazing and so incredibly helpful. Oh, thank you for having me. I love talking about this stuff. Anything to help us feel a little more well-rested and energized, I'm all about it. (laughs) Yes. Yes.